0: Well, good morning. Uh, the book Isaiah says this the grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God abides forever. And that's going to be our theme this morning. We'll be looking at the Word of God and its relevance for our lives to begin uh, 2024 together. So, hopefully, what we will do is in our time together that you will be encouraged uh, not only today, but to uh, make the Word of God a part of your life somehow, some way, as we work and navigate through the difficulties and the challenges of. Uh, 2024. You know, this past week I, I did an internet search and uh, I wanted to, okay, what, what is the most popular verse? What was the most popular verse that people Googled in 2023? And uh, there's a Bible app called YouVersion. Some of you may even have it. Some of you may use it. But according to the Bible app YouVersion, um, people were looking for messages from the Bible that gave them comfort and peace and hope. The apps list of the top 10 Bible verses, which were featured in the United States in 2023, were based upon the user's activity and features, and they were looking for passages that concern God's helping those in need and giving them strength, the strength that comes from knowing who Jesus is and what he would do. Um, The founder, uh, a guy by the name of Bobby Grunewald, I don't know how to say his last name, but this is how we kind of summarize 2023. He said, people are turning to scripture and using it and looking to it in a way that reminds them of God's faithfulness or hope. So in the midst of the uncertainty of life, in the midst of the challenges, in the midst of all of the things going on in our world, what people, believers seem to be doing is at least with this particular app, looking to the Bible and asking, where can I find hope? Where can I find some kind of encouragement for the life that I'm living right now? And we would know from Romans chapter 15, That the Bible offers us incredible hope and encouragement for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of Scriptures we might have hope. Let me ask you something. What is the greatest, the greatest voice in your life right now? Is it mom? Is it dad? Is it employee? Is it, is it a family? Is it, is it a, what, what is the greatest voice in your life right now? And where does that compare and align yourselves to what the word of God would have to say to us? So according to you, version, the number one verse for the third straight year is this. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. It might have been on the screen. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. Fear, dismay, the Lord is with us. And he is your God. And that's the privilege that we have as we approach the word of God, as we pour ourselves into God's word and we seek him and pursue him. He desires to reveal himself to us in incredible ways. I'm going to invite you to turn your Bible, not to Psalm 1 that uh, Luke read, another great verse, uh, passage of scripture that we could have looked. I'm going to invite you to turn to Psalm 119. And we're going to pick it, and we're going to begin at verse 17 as we consider God's word. So, m- most of you know, um, it's for, for 20 years, for over 20 years, I begin the first Sunday of the month pointing us to God's word and the relevance of God's word for our life. And some of you are sitting there going, wait a minute. It's not the first Sunday of the month. And you're absolutely right. I can read the calendar, I get it. But it's like seven days away. And what I want to do is, I I want tomorrow. I want you to get up. I want you to grab your cup of coffee. I want you to grab your Bible and open it up and start someplace and look at God's word and ask God to speak to you in a mighty and powerful way, not only for that day, but for 2024, that no matter what we would be going through, the difficulties and the challenges of life, that God would continue to reveal himself to us in a powerful way because of who he is and what he's done for us. There's another reason why I like to begin um, this year focusing on the Bible, and it's because of this. I want God's Word to be the focal point of my life, and I want you to know that. And I also want it to be the focal point of our ministry, whether it be children, youth, whether it be music. I-, I want God's Word to be the absolute focal point of our lives because God's Word will change our life, if you would. There is a... Uh, a couple of people that I know of, I'm sure there were others, that decided, said, well, listen, I'm going to start 2023, and I'm going to read through the Bible. And I kind of contacted a few of them. And, and this is what one of them said. Um, I asked them, well, what would you say about reading the Bible in 2023? And this is what they wrote. For, my, for 2023, my husband and I decided to do the schedule for reading through the Bible. Each morning, we would read the assigned verses and chapters, and quite often discuss it. This became another way of bonding together through God. Interesting. I have to be honest. I actually read some verses I don't ever remember reading before. I read so many areas of God's assurance of love for me and verses who helped me with fears and doubts. Isn't that interesting? All throughout the Bible. It was a renewing of the Holy Spirit in my life and pulling me closer to God each day, even in my older days of life. And that, That's from the from Sharon and, and Denver Davis. The Bible speaks to us. The Bible reveals itself. That the Bible will, will change our lives, and that's what I want to look at this morning. Um, Psalm chapter uh, one, nineteen, verse seventeen. Let me let me just read the Bible to you. Hear the word of the Lord. Do good to your servant, and I will live. I will obey your word. And this is probably the theme of this morning. If you don't get anything else, this is the theme. Verse 18 says this. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. You rebuke the arrogant who are cursed and who stray from your commands. Remove from me scorn and contempt, for I keep your statutes. The rulers sit together and slander me. Your servant will meditate on your decrees. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. Father, thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that no matter where we are at this morning, no matter where we are at in life, whether we be married, single, going through a difficult time, experiencing wonder and the beauty of joy, going through a great time, Father, we know that we can come to your word and your word will reveal ultimately who you are and what you have done for us. And Father, as we begin this morning, as we began 2024 together, as individuals, as family, as churches, Father, I ask that you would open our eyes that we would see the wonder and the beauty, not just of words on a page, but the, beh- the person behind what we read, the creator of the universe, the one who's come to reveal himself to us, Emmanuel, God with us. Father, we open our minds and our hearts to the beauty of you this morning. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray, and all God's people said, amen. So so why this particular passage? There's a lot of passages that we could look at. Psalm 1 that uh, Luke read, Second Timothy chapter 3, 1 Peter, Isaiah 40 verse 8. I mean, it's just a, 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 a lot of texts and references that we could look to and um, but I wanted to choose one that, that directs our attention to something that we, we actually ask God to do. We're asking God to do something in this. We're asking God to open our eyes so that we would see the wonder and the beauty of who he is. And actually, as I began this week and, and I decided, well, I'm going to look at this Psalm, Psalm 119. I just said, well, I'm going to read it. I'm going to try and read it and see uh, what would happen. So I did read it. It took me 14 minutes to read it. 14 minutes, 14 minutes of reading God's word, not just reading it, but pondering and asking the Lord to teach me about who he is and what I would learn from this. And what we know about Psalm 119 and what we know about the book of Psalms is this. That's the longest book, if you will, Psalm, the longest book in the Bible. And there's all kinds of uh, different varieties of Psalms. There, there's laments there's, there's people crying out to the Lord. There's joy. There's happiness. There's confession of sin. There's, uh, uh, there's psalms for individuals. There's the ascent psalms that we would that we would read and we would c- celebrate together. So all kinds of wonderful ways that the, the psalmist communicates the nature and the character of God to us in a beautiful way. But Psalm 119 is probably wisdom literature. I mean, don't we all want to be wise in life? Most likely there's Uh, in in Psalm 119, this this idea of wisdom literature that as we read and study and as we meditate on God's word, what we're going to do is we're going to find wisdom for living as we begin 2024. Simply looking at the beginning of Psalm 119, notice how the author begins, verse 1. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their hearts. Let me ask you something. Who doesn't want to be blessed? In 2024, who doesn't want to be blessed by the Lord? Well, the Bible simply says, Psalm 119 says, to, to align ourselves with the purpose of who God is is revealed to us in his word. In other words, we are called to trust God's word. So what we have in Psalm 119 is we're actually beginning the year with looking at wisdom literature, the way that God would want us to live our lives. But it's also a special kind of poem. And it's very unique in the way that it was put together. Terry and I, Terry Talley and I were talking about this, this morning. So if you were to look at my Bible, I don't know about your Bible, but in my Bible, as I look at Psalm 119, um, ab- above verse 1, there's, there's, a, there's a symbol, and there's a word. It says Aleph. And then you go about eight uh, verses down, and then there's a, there's a bait, and there's a gimel, and there's a ballot. And you look at all of those things, you're like, what in the world are those things? Well, basically, that's the Hebrew, al- Hebrew al- alphabet. So what the author has done is there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And what the author did was this. He broke down the Hebrew alphabet into 22 sections using each letter. And then he wrote a section. So section one, the Aleph, all of those verses in the Hebrew language, all of those verses are going to begin with the letter, with the, with the Aleph, with the A. And then the section two, the, the B in the Hebrew alphabet, guess what it's going to be? It's all of those eight verses are going to be B and C. All the way through the, through the Hebrew alphabet. In other words, what the psalmist is doing, he's writing this wonderful, beautiful poem to God, constructing it in such a way that he's put some thought and intention to his relationship with God. I mean, think about it. I I, I actually tried to do this. I'm like, okay, I love my wife. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with the letter A in the alphabet, and I'm going to try and write a love letter to my wife. So I'm thinking, I'm like, I'll always love you for the rest of my life. Wait a minute. That's not an A, that's an I will. That's not going to work. And all of a sudden, I'm trying to be intentional about my relationship with the Lord and thinking through this, and it's incredibly difficult. And imagine going through all 26 letters of our alphabet, eight verses, for. could you imagine trying to do that? And yet we have something beautiful here. The author is penning. This God's wisdom through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's working in an intentional way to draw our attention to the beauty and the wonder of who God is and his word is revealed to us. Intentional, responding to the spirit of God in his life to write things so that you and I would have this wisdom literature so that we can see the beauty and the wonder of who God is. All of these verses given to instruction, to reminding us of the beauty of who God is. And how he wants to reveal himself to us in a very very intentional way so we have this we have this wisdom literature it's written in an entirely wonderful and beautiful way and the real purpose is this the real purpose is so that we that you and I would walk in obedience to God's word that we would that we would look at God's word and realize I, I want to be that person who lives that blessed life and so what I want to do is I, I want to walk in obedience to God's word you know I... I think one of the reasons why we don't like to incorporate God's word in our life on a daily basis because sometimes we don't want to be confronted by what it says. We don't want to be confronted by what it says. What we want to do is we want to put it on a shelf and just leave it there and then I can take it off and I can come in on Sunday or Wednesday or whatever. And what the spirit of God wants to do in relation to the word of God is to speak to us and to communicate us about a loving, powerful, heavenly Father who wants to reveal himself to us. And he does that through the Spirit of God, and he does that through the Word of God, and he does that through other people. And what we have is a great privilege of looking at God's Word in such a way that it will transform and conform our life. So let's just take a look at eight verses. That's all we're going to do, eight verses. Then we're going to be done. Number one, this section of scripture reminds us this is this is a prayer for the needy if you will this is a prayer for the when you look at this passage and the entirety of psalm 119 and a lot of the psalms in the bible what we see is this is a prayer in written form in other words what the psalmist is doing he's communicating to god god I, i love you i care for you now i'm going to have this conversation but i'm going to write it down some people journal their lives some people journal their prayers a lot of times i have to sit down with a piece of paper and i have to write things out because my mind gets distracted. Notice what the author does in verse 18. Notice the response. He's asking God to do something. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. In other words, the psalmist is asking, listen, do something. I want you to make something unclear clear. I think that's true of the Bible. Sometimes we read the Bible and we go, I, I don't really understand what it is. and I don't know what God is asking me to do. And then when we delve into it and we pursue it a little bit more, God, through the Spirit, opens our eyes to see it. And isn't that true of life? I mean, you're going through a difficult time. You're going through a challenge, a hardship, something really, really difficult. And sometimes our eyes are right here and we're blind and we are not able to see beyond all that. And so what do we do? We ask God, God, give me clarity for what's going on in my life and how to respond to you. That's what the psalmist is doing. See, the psalmist recognizes something. The psalmist recognizes that there's a condition, there's a darkness to the human heart, if you will. Sometimes we don't fully see and understand what God is doing. And sometimes what we do is we simply close our minds to the heart of God. But the Bible is pretty clear. It says this, the natural man, the unspiritual person, the the, the person outside of Jesus, outside of a relationship with God, cannot fully know and understand the spiritual things of God. The natural man does not understand the things of God. So what do we need? We need God to unlift the veil or open our eyes to see the wonder and the beauty of who he is. And sometimes we can read God's word and still not get it. We need the spirit of God in our lives to help us. And that's what the psalmist is asking. You know, a lot of times when I begin on a Sunday morning, I try and pray. You'll hear me pray it. God, open our eyes that we would see wonderful things in your law. Things that I can't pick out. Things that only the Spirit of God can pick out to you and reveal to you as we continue to seek Him. When you go back and look at the Old Testament, you look at the Israelites, a lot of times they were blinded to who God is. They would see God work in incredible ways and powerful ways, and yet they still didn't get it. In the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 29, Moses speaking to the Israelites and he's reminding them of all the wonderful things that God has done. And notice what he says to the people in Deuteronomy chapter 29. He says this, your eyes have seen all that the Lord did in Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to all his land. With your own eyes, you saw those great trials, those miraculous signs and great wonders, those wonderful things. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a mind that understands their eyes, that see, or ears, that hear. In other words, after all that God had done, their hearts were still blinded to the reality of who he is. Think about Pharaoh. Think about the Egypt. Think of all of those people. And so what we are reminded is we need the Spirit of God. We need God to open our eyes to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need insight. We need instruction. That's what the Holy Spirit's desire is to do, is to instruct us into all truth, into all unrighteousness, and to help us to grow in our relationship with God. The Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians, said this. You know, maybe you have a conversation with someone and uh, they, they, just, they don't see the spiritual things that you see. I've had all kinds of conversations with people. Family members are in this boat. They just, they just don't get it. Notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says this, We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand what God has freely given to us. We need the supernatural work of the spirit of God in our lives to open our minds, our hearts, to the reality of who he is. And that's what the psalmist is doing. The psalmist is simply crying out to the Lord, saying, Lord, Will you open my eyes to the reality of who you are? And I think it was his passion. I think it was something he was consumed with. Look at verse 20. Notice what he says. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. You know what consumed means? It has this idea of being overwhelmed with desire. I had this overwhelming desire that the word of God would be a part of my life. And it would speak to me. And reveal to me who you are and what you have done for me. So the psalmist, in the midst of all of these verses, in verse 18, he cries and calls out to God to open his eyes that he would see the wonder and the beauty of God. By the way, Proverbs 23, verse 23, says this. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. Buy the truth. How important is the word of God to our lives as we begin 2024? Incredibly important to our lives. So what the psalmist is simply doing, he's asking God, he's praying to God to do something uh, that would reveal more of, of the character and the nature of God. The second thing I believe that the psalmist is pointing out is this. What the Bible does, it gives us a perspective of, of our relationships, it gives a perspective of, of who we are and how we relate. It gives a perspective of who we and how we relate to God, how we relate to myself, myself. It gives us a proper understanding of the relationships that we have. And if you notice in here, in verse 17 to verse 23, notice how he refers to himself. He calls himself a servant. I'm a servant of God. I am God's servant. Twelve times in Psalm 119. This, the author reveals himself as a servant of God. And what he does is he aligns himself with all kinds of patriarchs and matriarchs who simply referred to themselves as ultimately God's servants. Whether it be Abraham, whether it be Isaac, Jake, all of these people simply brought this idea that the way that they related to God was, I am God's servant. First and foremost, I am a servant of God. And verse One twenty-five. he simply makes the statement, Lord, I am your servant, Abraham, Moses, David. Remember Mary after she received the, the revelation from Gabriel? Remember what she said? I am the Lord's servant. May it be done, what? According to your word. According to your word, Lord. I am your servant. And what this simply reminds us that it doesn't matter where you're at in life, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you work a job. It doesn't matter where you would find yourself, where I would find myself in my family, in my job, among my neighbors. I am ultimately a servant of the Lord. I represent him first and foremost. I serve the Lord And we see that idea, that concept of being a servant. Notice what he says in verse 19. I am a servant no matter where I would go. Verse 19 says this. I am a stranger on earth. This is the idea that we relate in a different way to the people around us. Stranger has this idea of I I don't fit in. Students, do you ever not fit in at school? When you're working a job and you're making a stand for righteousness, do you ever not fit in? Does your worldview ever clash with people around you? Does your worldview ever clash with maybe a family member? It happens all of the time. And, And notice what he simply says. He says, I am a stranger here on earth. Peter says, listen, you're an alien. You're a stranger on this earth. You know what that means? You don't belong. You don't fit in. This is just your temporary home. You're just passing through. I had a great conversation with a young man this past week. doesn't live in this area. Kind of grew up here, youth group here. And we spent about an hour and a half together at lunch. And uh, he, he mentioned a book um, that he read years ago. The book was called "Heaven." And what that book did is it changed this person's perspective of how to live. And it wasn't just the idea that, okay, I'm, I'm believing in Jesus and I'm going to end up in heaven forever and ever. The idea was that, that, that this idea, this concept of heaven radically altered the way that he approached life, where he would live. I am called to live in this area, not just to have a job, but, to, but I'm called to this area, this area to minister and to serve. I'm called in this position to work here and to serve the Lord. And I'm gonna stay here using my gifts, my talents. And I'm gonna stay here recognizing that God has called me to be a servant here. You know, sometimes we don't fit in, but no matter where we would go and how we would do life, we are still called to be God's servant. And we are strangers among people who do not know and understand the reality and the truth of who God is. Sometimes we just don't fit in. Look at verse 23. It says this: "The ruler sit and slander me, your servant will meditate on your, decre- on your decrees." What does what that mean? this? You could face persecution. You could make a stand for Jesus, recognizing that you're a servant. You could make a stand for Jesus, and and you're not going to fit in. And you may even be persecuted. You may even lose your job because of it. We're seeing that more and more. He just simply says, in the midst of all that, what is it? I'm going to meditate on your word. How do you meditate in God's word? You have to stop. You have to stop all the activity. You have to stop all the stuff. You have to reorient your mind and your heart to stop and say, okay, what I'm going to do is is for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, I'm going to stop and I'm going to focus my mind and my heart on God's word and who he is. And I'm going to ask him to reveal himself to us. So that would be the foundation that's going to carry me through the day, through the week, through the remainder of this year. We have to stop and allow God's word to saturate our minds and our hearts with who he is. Uh, years ago, I read a really, really hard book. It was by Richard Baxter, and he was a Puritan. And they write really, really difficultly. And the, the words are very, very weighty, and the these and those and all that kind of stuff. But I took away this quote, and I thought it was relevant. And this is what he wrote. The name of the book is The Saint's Everlasting Earth. What he's writing about is he's writing about heaven and what that's going to be like. And this is what he says. He says, hast thou turned thy idols out of thy heart's? so that the creature has no more sovereignty, but is now a servant to God and to Christ. In other words, what is consuming us on the inside that we have actually made an idol? It could be a relationship. It could be a job. It could be a passion. Ultimately, what we are as servants of the Lord, of who He is and what He would want us to be. And from that vantage point, we go out and we live and work, and exist, and minister to seek and honor and to glorify him for who he is. So what is the psalmist doing? He's praying, asking the Lord to open his eyes. He's recognizing that in relationship to this world and to people, that we are servants of each other. And the last thing that we're called to do is just to respond. To respond to God's word. Um, I, I like to get quotes from people, and I like to get quotes from famous people because it, it, it kind of helps me to know and understand what they're thinking. Um, I, I have a couple of quotes here. I just thought I would read them to you just for fun. Does anybody remember George Carlin? He's kind of a guy that's been around a, a while. A comedian. He's he's a funny guy. Been around. This is what he said. He said, "I was thinking how people seem to read the Bible a whole lot more as they get older, and then it dawned on me that they're cramming for their final exam." There, you know what? One thing about comedians is there's a little bit of truth in there, isn't it? Yeah, there's a little bit of truth in there. Mark Twain, we all know him. It ain't the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me, it's the parts that I do understand. Yeah, there's a little bit of wisdom there. Charles Dickens, Christmas Carol, Oliver Twist. The New Testament is the best book the world has ever known or will know. That's a pretty incredible statement, isn't it? Helen Keller, blind, deaf. Notice what she wrote. The Bible gives me a deep, comforting sense that things seen are temporal and things unseen are eternal. And she was blind. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things from your law, Lord. And there's no doubt this woman saw. So what does this what do these eight verses teach us about god the word of god is going to touch our life in a couple of ways and let me just let me just kind of walk through this as we get close to ending here how does the word of god touch our life Well, it affects us as a person, and it affects what we will do and how we will respond. Look at verse 17. I will obey your word. In other words, how does it affect us? Well, it should affect our will, right? I'm going to obey your word. So when I read and study and meditate on God's word, what I want to do is I want to recognize it. I want to allow it to influence my life. I'm going to obey your word. How else? Verse 18, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. What it does is it provides the guidance that we need. Even in the midst of the difficulties and the challenges of life, the things that you don't know about, the things that are to come into your life in 2024 that you don't even know about. Got to open my eyes that I may see my circumstances and see what's going on in my life so that I can respond in a way that it's helpful. Verse 19, verse 21 talks about, Do not hide your commands from me your commands from me. Doesn't that show the authority of God's word in our life? That I'm going to respond to God's word even when it makes me feel uncomfortable? Am I going to walk in obedience to God's word this year when it bristles against me? Now, let me ask you something. Is God speaking to you and revealing himself to you and changing your life? Why, I hope so. Because I need that in my life. And sometimes we go through a period of time, like last month, where you're just, uh and I finally had to go, okay, Lord, I need to make some changes here. I need to make some changes in what I'm thinking about and how I'm relating to you. And, and that's one of the commitments that I am. I, there's some areas of my life that, that I, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to do what verse 22 says, "Your statutes are my delight." Why are they my delight? Because what they do is they force me to think about the nature and the character of who God is and who Jesus is and all that he's done. And what do they do? It affects my emotions, affects my what? It affects my will when I respond to God's word. The verse 23, "Your servant will meditate on your decrees." Your decrees. We looked at how um, Caesar Augustus made a decree and Joseph and Mary reoriented their life and followed that decree. They, they walked in obedience to that decree. God has given us his decrees, his statutes, his command in his life so that we might what? That we might walk in obedience to them because they will transform us. What else did the psalmist receive? I want to give you four things that you can count on from God's word as we look at 2,024, number one, it contains wonderful things. Verse 18, it it talks about, open my eyes that I would see wonderful things from your word. In other words, what we have is we have extraordinary, beautiful, wonderful truths, ultimately, about the person of Jesus. At the end of the Gospel of John, he talks about, "I, I don't suppose all of the books in all of the world would be able to contain all of the beauty and the wonder of Jesus and who He is. And that's what the Word of God does. It reveals to us the beauty. It contains wonderful things. It offers comfort. Verse 19 talks about comfort. Psalm 119 verse 50 says this, My comfort in my suffering is this, Your promise preserves my life. When I read and I meditate on the Word of God, I have all of these wonderful promises that come to us and speak to us about who God is I want to meditate on those and reflect on who God is. It changes our life. It contains wonderful things. It offers comfort. What about confidence? Verse 23. Notice the contrast in this verse, verse 23. It says, Though rulers sit together and slander me. Your servant will meditate on your decrees. Even when life is hard, even when I'm facing opposition, what I'm going to do? I'm going to meditate and I'm going to try and do the best that I can to focus my attention on who God's word and how we reveal himself to us. What about counsel? Look at verse 24. Your word has been my counselor. The word of God gives us guidance and direction for our lives and how we would and should live. So many years ago, um, one of our daughters, uh, I wasn't home. She got into um, one of my electronic gadgets. It was a Palm Pilot. This is... Back this is a long time ago. She got into my Palm Pilot. And so she was kind of being techie about it and trying to open it up and do all those kind of stuff. Well, she opened it up and the screen went blank. And she just went in a state of panic because she had no idea what happened and how the screen went blank and um, what she was going to do. So she fiddled with it, monkeyed with it. And she could not get the thing on. And she thought, oh, I have just broken my father's Palm Pilot and uh, I'm going to be in big trouble. And then she did something either... Very, very brilliant, or just by accident. She opened my um, briefcase up, and she got the manual out. And she opened the manual. Smart kid. And then she began to look through the manual. And as she looked through the manual, she found, oh, if I push this button here, I can reset it. And that's what she did. She pushed the button and reset it. And she's living today because of it now. (laughs) what God's word does. It offers a reset for our life. It really, really does. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants to look and meditate and reflect on God's word for who he is and what he would do for us this year. We're going to be looking, I I am, I I love God's word. You love God's, I, I am committed to this for the next four weeks. We're going to look at different variations of God's word Maybe the relevancy of God's word, the authority of God's word, the power of God's word. It's, it's not just a book. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. You need wisdom for finances, it's in here. You need wisdom for your marriage, it's in here. You need wisdom for your relationship, it's here. You don't want to pray, it's all in here. So... As we begin, I would just offer a couple of applications. The first application of this, if you've never read through the Bible, I would encourage you. We have some resources. There's a lot of great resources out there. Grab one of those resources and put it, and just read through the Bible. Listen, there's some really hard places in the Bible. Man, I, I get it. I get to Ezekiel. My head's spinning. You know, I get to some of the minor prophets. I'm like, wow, that's really, really hard. But what it does is it forces me to do some hard work. So if you've never done that, grab a resource. We have a resource here. Grab a resource. Commit to spending time in God's Word so that it affects you in such a way that it challenges and changes your life. The second thing is this. Get in a Bible study. Get in the Bible Get around other people where you are forced, encouraged to do some homework on God's Word, but you're also challenging your mind and your heart to grow in ways that you might not grow before. Get in a Bible study that gets you digging maybe a little bit deeper. Maybe attend a class. We've got a couple of classes on Sunday morning. You know, every one of them are relevant. Every one of them focus their attention on God's word. And then we try to be as iron sharpens iron so that we can encourage each other. I mean, that's the beauty of some of these classes. Some of the things that you all bring out is beautiful. When you come to the Word of God. And when you come to church, when you come to your Bible study, take a moment or two and say, God, open my eyes that I would see you and who you are and what you have done for us. God, open my eyes that I would see the beauty of who you are and how my life can be radically, radically different because of you. I close with an illustration. Uh, Have you ever found anything in in an old book? Have you ever been like in a library and you're opening a book? Or maybe um, you've gone to a bookstore and you you start thumbing through a book and somebody leaves something in there? People do that all the time now. Um, There is a a bookstore called um, abebooks.com and they found all kinds of strange things in books. And here's some of the things that they found in books. I wish I would have found one or two of these. Uh, They found um, $41,000 bills. I'm going to the library when we get done here. (laughs) $41,000 bills. A Mickey Mantle rookie card. Do you know how much that's worth? A marriage certificate from 1879. A baby's tooth, diamond ring. Social security cards, credit card, receipts, shopping lists, business cards, postcards, World War II U.S. ration stamp with stamps still attached to it. Some of you have no idea what that is. Pair of scissors a driver's license, a dead cockroach, and and believe it or not, a strip of bacon. When you read and meditate and study God's word, your mind and your heart is open to the greatest person ever to live in the world. And that's the person of Jesus Christ who went to the cross and offered himself as a sacrifice for him. You and I, if we commit to incorporating God's word in our life in 2024, we are going to be radically, radically different people. And that's a good thing. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for the great privilege that I have to be able to to point people to Jesus. The disciples, at one time, they simply cried out, Lord, to, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. They knew that they, they, they had literally no place else to go but other than to run to Jesus. And so this morning, we simply run to you. Father, there's uh, just a, a lot of different people with a lot of different needs and a lot of different places in life. And we just, we just stop for a moment. And Father, we just ask for your help. Father, that you would guide and direct us through your word, that you would place people in front of us that would speak the truth that we would be become more like the, the person of Jesus this year. Lord, that we would take those times, maybe it's in a car, or maybe it's early in the morning, that we would just stop and meditate. Maybe, maybe it's even on a song sometimes, or just a passage of scripture, or one verse, Lord, and they would be drawn to you. Father, that we would be just different people this year. Father, I pray that if anybody is just struggling in life right now, Father, I pray that you would just encourage them through your word. Lord, your word is a counsel to us. It is a comfort to us. And Father, I pray that you would simply speak to our hearts and our minds.